Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast featuring yours truly, Tim May, and my co-pilot, Awesome Ward. Awesome. Welcome again to the Tim May podcast. Long time no see. Yeah, I like that. I like that monotone I get into when I introduce you every time. I don't know why I do that. I just want to keep everybody on the edge of their seats before we go. I think up. if you were if you were calling somebody awesome, that you'd be really excited that they're on. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, awesome ward. Finding out of the blue corner, but I digress. Bottom line is, let's jump right into it, man. Uh, you know, you and I could fight over this because uh, you think the you think the quarterback situation is almost almost a done deal at Ohio State. I think it's a I think it's a pretty good competition going on from what, from what I'm hearing. You're hearing different things. Uh, from what I'm seeing, you're seeing different things. But uh, you know that is the big question headed into the spring game, Ohio State spring game. Yes. There will be a spring something. Part of it will be a little bit of a game, but a lot of it will be probably situational scrimmage situation, which is probably what they need more than anything else uh, to wrap up this spring. You agree? Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, I don't think that it's because C.J. Stroud is a landslide winner. Wait, no, no, you're already jumping. You're already jumping. Okay, uh, yes, there's going to be something on Saturday. Yeah, We don't know a, what the format is going to be. This is not a court of law, yeah. I'm, I'm jumping to that in a second. I'm setting you up. Uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Well, already, I didn't know which setup I was supposed to he, take. He already, let the, he already let the cat out of the bag, the, uh, the, <laughs> the cheetah uh, out of the cage, whatever. I mean, he does believe C.J. Stroud is the man to beat at the quarterback job. I'm not so sure that I disagree with you on that he's the man to beat. I'm not so sure I agree that he can't be beaten by Jack – Jack James Miller the third, or by Kyle McCord, who every time I see Kyle McCord, he looks a little bit better to me. And uh, and you know, it was kind of hard to take Ryan Day at his word before this thing all started that uh, it was going to be a three man battle. That's pretty much what he said, right? And uh, in so many words, and I think it is. But yeah, I mean, if you looked at the way they line up and take take uh, reps, etc., C.J. Stroud has almost always been the first guy under center or in the shotgun. Every time we've gotten to watch them this spring, which wasn't very many times, but I will tell you, the last couple of weeks, we've gotten to see a pretty good bit of football. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed watching all three of those guys throw the ball. Yeah, so that's what I was going to get at there. It's not that uh, I think you go out to get any viewing periods or listen to anyone who's watched more extensive periods of practice or all of them and getting that feedback. And they think, wow, this is hands down clearly a, a Heisman Trophy winner, a national champion, he's the only guy that can do it. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form because Jack Miller uh, threw some really nice balls in the red zone drills on Monday, and he did that the week before when I was in there. He's got – I mean, he was recruited to Ohio State for a reason, and he's not just some chump off the street. Yeah. Uh, and, I've, you know, we've been through this before. You and I were talking to Burnham about this uh, on Monday outside the Woody, like the last time it happened. Like, when Dwayne Haskins was battling Joe Burrow and you and I talked, I didn't say Ohio State can only win with Dwayne Haskins. I said that they can win the Big Ten and go to a college football playoff with Joe Burrow uh, because of all the talent, because of his talent, but also the talent around them. And they're both very good players and that you wouldn't have made a bad decision either way. One right. guy, one guy had played, um, you know, had been the backup essentially the year before now. We know the situation, why that was. But so he came in the spring with a lead, and so you needed the other guy, fair or not, to really wow and, and take a, you know, to claim that job outright. He's coming from behind. No matter how much coaches talk about 
clean slates and open competitions, what has happened before always informs where you are now. And that is the situation for C.J. Stroud. He was the backup quarterback last year for Ohio State. When they had to go in meaningful situations, who is your number two? It's C.J. Stroud. So he came into spring with that. Um, so Jack Miller would have to have really blown things away to change that. And, and Kyle McCord, I just didn't think, was going to have the time to do that. But both of those guys have also done very good things. Ohio State will win a lot of football games no matter who takes that job. I just don't think anything that has happened through 12 practices has been enough to change, unseat that pecking order with C.J. Stroud leading the way. Yeah, you know, you've been covering football for a long time, which tells you how long I've been covering it, twice twice that long. But you and I both uh, patting ourselves on the back. This is just, uh, what do you want to call it? This way you ought to approach it. You know, forget about what you think. You know, pay attention to what the coaches think. You know, <laughs> pay attention uh, to who, like you said, was the backup last year. Pay attention to who, what, what Ryan Day says, et cetera. And uh, because that's the telling, that's the, that's the telling card there. And uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I, I really have liked though, the little bit of, we've gotten to be in there. I've gotten, I've liked the, like the way Jack Miller's thrown the ball and kind of run things to a certain extent. And uh, you know, and Kyle McCord, as uh, Ryan Day said this week, when we talked to him in the uh, post post-practice zoom teleconference, uh, you know, Kyle McCord has shown some pretty good things, but he's also he's he's shown the propensity to be in the to, to be in the book, so to speak, not just uh, on the field, but be in the book and learn things. He's got a ways to go in that regard. But uh, but yeah, and you know, the reason we keep talking about the quarterback, and and matter of fact, uh, you know, my guest this week, Joe Joe Germain, he was in two great pitched battles for the starting quarterback job at Ohio State in 1996 and 1997. Uh, with Stan Jackson. He never really won either one of them, you know, uh, yet he became the first quarterback, I think, in Ohio State history to pass for more than 3,000 yards, and, you know, when he finally became the starting quarterback. And he also played extensively in 96 and 97, became a Rose Bowl hero for the for the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I've got him on. He's now a head coach, a high school head coach at a Queen Creek High School outside Phoenix. And uh, I've got him on this week just to talk about you know, the angst these guys go through. Uh, you think you put your best foot forward, but you always got to remember it's not not just a race. It's sort of like uh, figure skating. Someone's judging it, <laughs> you know. And, uh, yeah, you may land a triple saw cow, uh, but the other guy may do a quadruple toe loop or something, you know. And uh, I just made all that up. Are there any of those – those are figure skating moves, aren't they? Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's been a long time since I've covered figure skating. <laughs> yeah. Only did it once, and oh my god, I had no idea. I was wing, all I did was wait for them to name the winner, you know. But well, I that digress. Was, that was like when I was, had to cover rodeo, Tim, because oh. like, now there's also an, like you know if the guy stays on or off. Yeah, but there's also judging to that. Oh yeah, well it's, it's number one. How 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 bad is the bull? Because the bulls come in with ratings just like the, the the riders do. I want to tell you something, man. My favorite thing about bull riding is is Let's say you stay on for eight seconds. You still got to get off that damn thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that is totally underrated, that sport, as far as being ridiculously crazy. But I digress. But yeah, you're no right. such I'm, thing as, a, yeah. as an easy uh, dismount no. from no. a live bull. No, we're not talking about bronc busting. We're talking about bull riding. <laughs> and uh, those things are bred to uh, to be nasty. And then you strap a little strap around there, you know what, and they really get nasty. So, uh 
again, I digress. Um, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, yeah, I think this is a great competition. But you know what stood out? You know, you and I, you, you and Berm and myself, uh, Jeremy Birmingham, uh, did that little rapid react uh, after practice on Monday when we got to watch practice. And I'm telling you what, the more I think about it, and I've, I've had interaction with people on the internet, uh, on Twitter, and uh, and emails, and even uh, people uh, texting me. Uh, I agree. This is the deepest wide receiver core I've ever covered at Ohio State, because now I'm throwing Emika Egbuka into the fray. You you follow my drift? Uh, you got Jackson Smith and Jigba stepping up. Uh, you've got Julian Fleming, you know, uh, sitting there. And who have I not even named yet? I mean, Jameson Williams, who have I not well, named yet? I, I saw James Chris, make a couple yeah. of catches uh, a week ago. I mean. Yeah, but like I said, who, who have I not named yet? Chris Olave <laughs> and Gary Wilson. <laughs> now go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, and Jeremy Ruckert uh, and Kate oh, Stover. Yeah. I mean, Kate Stover. Got to include them in that mix too. It's It's really crazy. And, you know, I think that we talked about this uh, – you know, two weeks ago, I guess, when you were in that first open practice with G. Scott, I mean, this yeah. was another four-star wide receiver um, came in physically ready to compete, but it's, you know, how do you how do you get ahead and really make an impression when that competition, you won't find that anywhere else. No. And, you know, it's unique that it's this spot. Um, you know, we've talked about the changing culture in the past and the way that, you know, Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon – uh, your, your three amigos there. Well, there were three more behind them. You had six upperclassmen. And I, I don't know that any of this is possible without them and Brian Hartline saying, look, all of these guys got developed and all of them had a shot at the NFL. All of them got to touch the football. Um, now, I mean, it's even past six, but, um, and that may be more challenging to hold on to, but it, it's, so, it's so significant for whoever wins the quarterback job because they're, it's going to be much easier when you get to throw to wide open five-star receivers all around you, best tight end maybe in the country, uh, a bonus wide receiver sliding to tight end at times. You know, who knows how that's all going to work out. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen a room quite as loaded as this one. I don't – and then except for maybe the running backs right now, but um, the, the high-end talent plus proven ability – on that national stage with what you've got with Wilson and Olave then to a lesser extent, Jamison Williams. Um, I don't, I don't remember seeing anything quite like it. You know, we, we touched last week on what we, we see some glaring questions on the defensive side of the ball uh, as Ohio state heads into the final week of uh, spring drills, something it didn't get to do a year ago, but I'm telling you what, on the offensive side, you know, I was texting with my, my, my friend, uh, Graham Rahal, you know, IndyCar driver, huge Ohio State fan. We were texting just today, and I was, and I'm I'm not throwing this out as hyperbole. I mean, I've I've never seen as much depth on the offensive side of the ball as I'm seeing on this. That doesn't mean they're going to be the great because it still has to click. But I'm talking about like you just said, tight end. You're talking about running back. There are four, five, six running backs there that just catch your eye. But how's Trevion Henderson not going to play? I mean, when you watch it forget about everything else you know about him just watch his wiggle he's got that wiggle man uh mm -hmm. just like jk dobbins had it and uh that's that's what sets the great ones apart you know evan Pryor is coming on and you know marcus crowley's finally going to be close to 100 percent finally and uh 
you know, uh, still Chambers, if he can hang on to the football and, you know, that's really the, the, the cross he bears right now is, you know, that real reputation of dropping the ball last year in some crucial situation, couple of cr crucial situations, but then past that awesome, this offensive line, I've never, I'm telling you, I've been covering high state a long time. I know I always say that that's, that's my new, but I digress. I've been covering high state a long time. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I was talking with Jim Lachey uh, as we watched practice, a former uh, all American guard at high state and ended up being on all pro left tackle for the uh, San Diego Chargers and Washington Redskins. But my point was, I've never seen this much playable depth in the offensive line. I was saying this a year ago, and I think it's only been enhanced this year. What's your take on that? Yeah, um, they've been building for this uh, and recruiting for this for a long time. You're seeing the fruits of that, you know, Monday. When, when Paris Johnson doesn't have to immediately kick out to right tackle on a day when Nicholas Petit-Frere is not fully healthy, and you just slide into Juan Jones. I mean, I, I, what what program could do that? I mean, I can't think of one. No. He's a five star, number weighted, number one rated tackle in the country, who is living up to that expectation with his work ethic, with his physical development, uh, you know, earning a role here, and then his willingness to play inside in the meantime. And then you're just like, well, we like how that's going, so we're going to put Duan Jones out there at right tackle, and uh, you know. It, they could have put two or three other guys the way that they've rotated, played Enoch Vamahi at some tackle on Monday. Uh, and so all this is designed to tap into that versatility. It's a crazy collection of talent on offense. And, you know, we talked about that at running back, talked about that wide receiver, talked about that on the offensive line. And when we're, when we're evaluating this quarterback battle, the same thing is true. What, they just don't have the experience because they've not thrown college passes. Correct. But we're talking about two five stars and a guy who could have maybe stayed or become a five star if he'd been healthier in high school than Jack Miller. You're you're picking from the three three best quarterbacks you possibly could maybe put together, um, given the challenges of recruiting that position. So, <laughs> you know, Ryan Day, uh, I, Berman and I had this conversation the other day. You know to compare contrast say one is doing better than the other between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer is not fair because one is trying to elevate what happened before him Ryan Day is just you know a, a continuation and evolution of Urban Meyer it's not a it's not a better or worse thing but so Urban took this you know kind of prehistoric old school Big Ten offense from Jim Trestle who had elevated from the previous coaching staff as well yep just as it all goes along you stand on each other's shoulders so Urban you know, upgraded, made a new, more new age offense. And now Ryan Day's taking it to another level. And you see, it's not that he's a better recruiter necessarily. Now, Urban's one of the most uh, maniacal recruiters in the history of college football. But this, uh, this offense is so appealing and so dynamic. And he's got such great people around him to coach it. I mean, Brian Hartline, that's selling itself. And so everyone wants to be part of this. And um, that's what you're seeing all of this combined now into a, you know, I don't want to call it the Death Star because the Death Star wound up being destructible, but yeah, it's it's a scary, scary amount of talent that's assembled. No, I like to think of uh, like to think of this as more of the whatever the uh, good guys were in Star Wars. What were they called? <laughs> they and, the, uh, the Rebel uh, Alliance. Yeah, the Rebel Alliance. It's more like the Rebel Alliance, you know, attacking the Death Star. The Death Star, of course, is Alabama. <laughs> 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 and uh, and. Uh, you know, that that clearly, that's clearly what, what they aspire to. 
but you know, I, I just see what I, what I was getting at there. I just see some real talent across the board, which will allow this offense in a year when it's going to have not just a new starting quarterback, but almost, but a brand new starting quarterback in terms of experience to kiss, keep yeah. it, keep it simple, stupid. And, <laughs> you know, Throw, That's a great point. Yeah. throw it, throw it to what, you know, I haven't seen Chris Olave get covered yet, you know, including all, and all of that practice we got to watch on Monday. I didn't see him get covered once. Now that, that may harken to uh, the other challenge on the other side of the board, uh, but right. I digress. Uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, clearly is ready to blossom. I thought he did last year, but I'm talking about big time blossom this year. And then those, all those other guys. So, you know, as we were debating earlier in the, in the month about Justin Fields and the way people are criticizing, I go, you know, I, I keep reminding people, college coaches like Ryan Day, uh, Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama last year, now at Texas, uh, have the ability to design plays to get their best players wide open. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's college football. No college football team, including Ohio State, including Alabama, uh, has four just great defensive backs. There's always somebody you can pick on if you give your quarterback time uh, to find that to find that guy. And so I guess what I'm getting to is I just see this offense perhaps as the year goes on taking another step up the yep. ladder uh, in terms of just explosiveness. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's a great point um, because whoever takes the reins for Ohio State is probably going to have them for two years. And yep. <laughs> you get better the more you do something. Um, and, you know, we've saw, we saw that with Justin Fields uh, in his first season as the starter. We, saw, we definitely saw that with Dwayne Haskins after four or five starts, his comfort level, the way he commanded things, um, that, all, that all changed, even just within that first season. Um, now it's – they're definitely going to have to get better in a hurry um, – and, and they will, I think, from these previous experiences, the experiences that they're going to have in week one and week two, go on the road right away and play a Big Ten team and then a very talented Oregon team in week two with a defense that can create some challenges. And they're going to have to be up to speed in a hurry, but they'll also learn from that uh, and be much better. You know, you learn through all those experiences, good or bad. Um, yeah. They'll look very different by the end of the year. And, you know, 2014 is a prime example of that as well. You know, it is, it is really cool, though, when you look out there on a practice field, on any college practice field, but let's Ohio State's the one week you and I both cover, and you see three very competent quarterbacks. I mean, these guys could go almost anywhere and be in the mix. Let's put it that way, you know, because there's competition everywhere you go for the most part. But to, three, to see that level, that level of quarterback, as you alluded to earlier, all on one campus uh, – and that little rapid, I, I run a few videos. I drop a few videos because I'm not just sitting there, you know, sitting there just watching, you know, at practice. I like to, like, uh, take photos and some videos and stuff just so I can remember people. You know, I'm 67. Uh, but I digress. Um, but the bottom line is just to see the just to see the competence and just see them roll one guy in right after the other and going, hey, that guy's got a nice release. Hey, that guy's got a nice re- – hey, that guy's got a nice release. Uh, he throws the ball. He comes up over the top. I mean, he's got a great release point. Uh, you know, uh, his ball, he throws the ball with authority and stuff. You and I both know we've, we've seen times when Ohio State has been, has not been in that regard. And our, our, you know, and of course the flip side of that is 2014 when you lose your starting quarterback and, uh, and you put JT Barrett in there 
and he and then you lose him at the end of the year and you get Cardale Jones. That's about as uh, Cinderella a quarterback story as you can see. But these are Cardale was not really competing earlier in that year. These are three guys going tooth and nail, right? Yeah, and I and I think that that's why you know I'm glad that you brought this up at the start of the show and why I want to reiterate that it's not because I think that C.J. Stroud is uh, head and shoulders better than Jack Miller sure. uh, or Kyle McCord, that he is a head in that battle, and that I, I'd be surprised if it changes, but it could. I'm not saying that it won't or there's that it's impossible because those other guys are both very good. And if Ohio State does elect to go with one of the others or they need to, if they have an injury, they're going to be fine. Yeah. I don't know if you can keep all three of them all the way until the first weekend of September. You know, we'll see what kind of conversations they have after Saturday. Um, that's generally you're, you're going to get some more honest feedback. And that happened with Matthew Baldwin uh, after the spring game a couple of years ago. And he made that that choice to leave. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's another thing that you can't rule out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. We haven't got to talk to any of those quarterbacks um, throughout this spring so far. Um, and, and that's all based on what we've seen and what we know about these guys throughout the recruiting process. Uh, we'll see exactly what transpires. But, you know, Ohio State is in a very fortunate position, as, as strong as you can be with three quarterbacks who haven't thrown a pass at the Big Ten level. I mean, you, Ryan Day has earned his reputation as opposed to maybe somebody else uh, in this rivalry who had a rep, you know, rep for quarterback whispering, he can get them up to speed. If you give him talent to work with, he's going to maximize it. And he, I don't think you could ever ask for more than what he has with the three that are competing at the Woody Hayes athletic center right now. Uh, I agree. I agree with that. You know, and uh, he's been pretty consistent though, about saying, or uh, alluding to the fact that he, he expect this, expects this to go into fall camp, you know, right. Now you got to convince three guys it's going into fall camp with pretty much a horse race coming around, you know, coming down the stretch. You know? Yeah. He, yeah he, you know, Tim, he may only have to, you know, convince one of them though. Right. Because. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kyle McCord here. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. And then you know that CJ Stroud, if he's had this edge and he's been getting these reps, you know, the conversation may just be with Jack Miller. Yeah. Um, and I know that we like to, we don't, we don't ever like to speculate about transfers because that is a player's business. It's not fair to them, their lives, their parents, their families, the whole deal. But in this situation, it's just, it couldn't be more obvious about who is probably going to have to decide what they want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is Jack, does Jack believe that the competition is open to him? Does he, does he view that as a realistic chance to potentially win it in August? Um, is he happy with the development he's getting? You know, those are three of the you know top things he's going to have to answer. And I again, I'm not trying to be unfair to him or say that he couldn't do any of those things. But Matthew Baldwin, having known him and his family, and the process that you have to go through, that's what you have to decide. And you have to be. It's tough. It's not fun. But that's what you know. April 18th, uh, you know, through May, uh, May 31st, whatever, however you want to handle it. You have to decide that then because um, once you get into it in August, there's no easy way out of that. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, I think it behooves a young man to at least stay one year when you're yeah. truly in the competition, you know, and and we've seen it, man. We've seen it glaring 
that a guy can go in at any second, you know, and change his life has changed forever. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, I appreciate you uh, awesome because that's quite the great segue into my <clears throat> conversation with my guest this week, Joe Germain. <clears throat> I know Ohio state fans remember him for all kinds of things is uh, like I said, uh, throwing the winning touchdown pass in the last minute against uh against Arizona State to David Boston in that Rose Bowl after the 1996 season. He came off the bench. He came off the bench every game that year except one. He started the Michigan game uh, when they finally figured out, hey, maybe he's the guy, and he only scored nine points. I'll bring all that up to him, you know, of course, in our conversation. But then, you know, he was in competition the next year for that starting quarterback job with Stan Jackson again. And even though he was the hero of the end of the Rose Bowl, Stan Jackson remained the starter, you know, the next year. So, Joe Germain basically had to wait two years to be the starter, and then he lit it up, you know. Uh, he was even lighting it up against Michigan State in 98 until, uh, like, the whole team kind of took a siesta and then tried to come back and didn't get it done, uh, a loss to Nick Saban's Michigan State, which kept Ohio State from playing in the first BCS National Championship game. There was an argument they should have been in it anyway, uh, but the bottom line was uh, – you know, they ended up going to the, to the Sugar Bowl and beating Texas A&M. But I digress. Uh, the bottom line is, uh, you know, Joe Germain, soft-spoken, uh, polite, great young man. Uh, he kept his tongue then. He pretty much keeps his tongue for the most part in his conversation. But you can tell uh, just from, from uh, what he says that uh, it was, that was tough times when he thought he – was as at least as competent to be the starting quarterback as Stan Jackson was. And it leads back to what we were just talking about. You know, you only get so many years to play your college football. And uh, if you have to sit behind a guy, that's one thing. The great thing for Joe Germain was he got to share time with Stan Jackson. And even you as a pup growing up in Wyoming, you remember that, don't you? Well, yeah. And I, you know, have a, a wife who grew up in Columbus and has been following that program for an entire life. And, Joe Germain and that Rose Bowl. That's, I've heard stories about that for as long as I've known her. So yeah. um, that one sticks in her mind. I'm sure that this will be uh, another episode of the Tim May podcast that she's enjo she enjoys because she talks about that game, you know, as one of the, the formative experiences of her uh, fandom of the Buckeyes. Yeah, when Arizona State finally got called for pass interference, which they were doing all game, uh, it changed <laughs> lives. That game changed lives. Hey, but without without any – more digression. Here's my conversation with Joe Germain. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, the first time on the Tim May podcast, but uh, by far not the first time I ever talked to this young man, Joe Germain. Joe Germain, welcome to the Tim May podcast. Well, what an honor. It's been a long time since we last talked, Tim, and, and uh, I'm thrilled to be with you. Yeah, you know, say what an honor, but we don't give out door prizes or anything, man. You'll have to wait on that Rolex. You'll have to get that somewhere else. Yeah, but I'm I fine. That's fine. But I digress. You know what time it is, man. You're out in Arizona, Queen Creek High School head coach. You've been a head coach now for seven years in your life. And we're going to I'm going to touch on that experience you've gone through with that, uh, et cetera, because I want to talk to you about the about the decision making it takes to uh, decide on a starting quarterback, whether it be, you know, peewee, high school, NFL. Of course, you were in the NFL for quite a few years. Uh, in, uh, bouncing around to a few teams, et cetera, and a few other leagues. But, uh, you know, Ohio State's trying to find a new starting quarterback this spring out of three candidates, C.J. Stroud, 
Uh, I know you know who I'm talking about, Jack Miller the third, and Cal McCord, the freshman. But, you know, uh, Cal McCord had almost as much experience playing quarterback for Ohio State last year as the two guys who were there behind Justin Fields. But, you know, just real quick, uh, take us back to 1996. You roll in as this junior college uh, transfer from Arizona. Uh, quiet guy, you know, Opie Taylor was the first guy that came to mind when I first saw you. Um, and, uh, and Opie Taylor, by the way, was, uh, you know, the young kid uh, on, on, Andy, on the Andy Griffith show, but I digress. But soft-spoken, quiet kind of guy, at least around us. But you came out throwing from the start. And just what do you remember about that first year competing for the starting job with Stan Jackson? You know, one of the first things I remember was even the the bowl game the year before when we uh, uh, that was Bobby Hoying's last game, the Citrus Bowl against Tennessee. Yeah. Um, you know, we we were in Tennessee or excuse me in Florida uh, in preparation for that for a full week, and uh, one of my all time um, favorite coaches, Walt Harris, the quarterback coach at the time, who I still stay in contact with. He's always been so good to me, but he was a tough coach. Now you had to earn his respect, he actually came up to me during the bowl trip and said, hey, just want to let you know, we're going to recruit a junior college guy to come in. Uh, and that ended up being Mark Garcia. Yeah. Um, and I remember my first comment was, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, I just kind of always had that real positive attitude, I guess, um, just looking for an opportunity. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it, they brought him in as a junior college guy, really, really talented player, uh, did all sorts of things at Modesto Junior College or Modesto, California. And, and uh, he, he came in really to kind of, you know, as, as Coach Harris's guy. But, yeah, the, the competition, uh, um, he, he had a knee injury, which kind of, you know, had him miss some time. So it really was between Stanley and I. And Stanley was returning, you know, as the backer from the year before. The whole objective of the competition was we want to find the guy that separates himself. Um, and they gave us opportunities in practice. And, and uh, leading up to the very first game, they said no one separated themselves. So we're going to play you both. Um, and we beat Pitt 70 to seven. And, um, and that kind of maybe started a thing. Hey, I think we can win this way and keep, you know, uh, you know, people happy and, and uh, not just uh, decide on one. I think it was hard to be honest with you for both Stanley and I, uh, maybe for the team, but we handled it the best we could. And we sure won a lot of games doing it, but it was all about, you know, Hey, go out and separate yourself, win the job. It's, the opportunity is there. And that's kind of what I remember from it. You know, uh, did, did you felt like you did separate yourself? I mean, you know, it, cause I'm going to get you from the other side of it, you know, but did you feel like you did separate yourself at one point? You know, how does that, how do you go from working together to it becoming a little bit of a, not, not just a, uh, not just a competition, but maybe a little bit of bitterness, you know, growing between, for example, you and Stan. I mean, how did y'all, how did y'all work around that, I guess? It's a great question. Um, I think we just, we, we handled it in the, in the right way uh, um, in the sense that maybe we just kind of put the team first. Uh, that was the most important thing. We, we were unselfish to the point that we, we uh, were more concerned about uh, the program and, and, and the team being successful than, than our own individual um, accolades. I'm sure both of us thought that we um, separate ourselves. Um, you know, he, he had more experience than me at the time. He had a different skill set than me, even though he was a good passer. He was much more of a, you know, a, a runner than, than I was. I was more of a pocket guy. Um, 
you know, so we had different skill sets, which I think the coaches maybe thought, wow, we could maybe take advantage of both of these. But I, in my, in my humble opinion, I felt maybe, uh, maybe not so much during training camp when we were having the competition, but as the season started and as I played, uh, especially kind of the mid late year of my, of that year, I did feel that I kind of did separate myself a little bit, um, for sure leading into the second season. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, and we all know, you know, all of a sudden you get named the surprise starter for the Michigan game in 96 and things didn't go like you guys wanted them to. Uh, y'all scored nine points and uh, wasn't it exactly what you expected, I'm sure. But then you come back, Stan starts the uh, Rose Bowl and uh, but you're the guy that comes off the bench, you know, for one of another term. I mean, you were you knew you were going to play, but you you throw the winning touchdown pass to David Boston, you know, and a lot of us watching it were thinking, well, if there, if there was a, ever a separator between these two, maybe that maybe that last drive, maybe that last play uh, was it. But uh, that didn't turn out to be the case, did it? It sure didn't. No, uh, we we actually did it a, a full another year. But what what a, what a great uh, what a great victory that was. It's been oh, a yeah. long time since Ohio State had won a Rose Bowl, and then just to win it in the fashion that we won that game was uh, it's just a. Uh, one of my cherished memories. I, I still, I still think about it. I still, it still gets brought up. I live in Arizona, um, and so ASU fans bring it up all the time. Uh, and I'm very happy to have that discussion with them anytime they want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those things. Kind of leading into that that next year. Gosh, I, uh, you know, selfishly, and I and I hate kind of using that word because it's 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 the antithesis of who I am. But you kind of you kind of wonder you know, what, maybe how I could have developed as a, as a quarterback had I had a full junior season yeah. and then my full senior season um, with all the talent that Ohio State had there. But I'm sure Stanley says the same thing, but, you know, six yeah. to one. I was going to say Stan had a pretty good Rose Bowl, too. You know, he threw a touchdown pass in that game, a little scrambling job in the right corner there. I mean, uh, it, it uh, it's really tough, you know, and uh, uh, but then you came out in your senior year, and you set the standard, as I like to, as I told you before we started this saying, you know, Bobby Hoying and, and that group pretty much got things rolling from a passing standpoint there, especially that last year under under Walt Harris, you know, 95. But then, you know, you took you're the first guy, to, I think, to throw thirty three hundred yards or whatever it was as an Ohio State quarterback and set the bar that wasn't broken until uh, Dwayne Haskins Jr. came along. But uh, it yeah, <clears throat> once you got that shot, you you definitely took advantage of it. Correct. Absolutely. You know, my, my dad always said, Hey, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I was, I was just grateful for the opportunity. I, I think, you know, just being a Buckeye um, with, you know, the ups and downs of, of my career, the whole quarterback competition, sharing time. When I look back, I am just so honored that I had the opportunity to be a Buckeye. I still am a Buckeye. Um, my kids are Buckeyes. My families are Buckeyes. We started a youth league out here in Arizona um, and guess what our team name is? We're the Buckeyes. We wear the, the, the same color uniforms, the stripes, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I bleed scarlet and gray. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Hey, real quick, I'm not harping on just the negative, but, uh, but how many times have you, like a golfer, replays one shot in his life or one, one hole in his life, you know, or one back nine? How often have you replayed that 98 uh, Michigan State game in your head, just especially that last drive, et cetera, the, I would think those are the things that, that stay with you a little bit. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. And I'm sure every athlete and coach has those experiences. That's definitely one for me. I, I, will, I will go to my grave uh, remembering 
uh, that game, remembering the feeling of that game, remembering key moments of that game. I mean, just clear uh, pictures in my head of what happened. Um, and I have, you know, some of those things from my short coaching career right now, those games that just, you know, we'll, yeah. I will never forget where you have a, a, a poor taste in your mouth. Uh, gosh, we had such a great team that year and, and uh, definitely left some things on the table. Yeah, it's funny what motivates the great guys, right? I mean, a lot of people think it's the glory, and a lot of times it's just learning from experience and stuff. The, the interesting thing was, in my opinion, y'all still should have made that first BCS uh, playoff game regardless. Uh, and then number two, uh, just think if there had been a college football playoff around with four teams around, uh, you know, y'all y'all could have rewrited a wrong, so to speak, right? I mean, you, you think about that too a little bit, don't you? For sure. I think, you know, just kind of – you know, using memories at this point, bringing this up, you were, you were almost at that time, um, you were punished if you lost later in the year, yeah. you know, teams, I think, uh, you know, Florida lost the, uh, the year before really early and they were able to kind of rebound and win a national title. Um, I can't remember if Florida state or Tennessee had a loss that year. Maybe they ran the table. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, you know, we, we were definitely punished because we lost that, you know, our, our eighth or ninth game of the season. Yeah. Uh, and just just wasn't able to rebound from it. Yeah, that's what's really politics always comes into play. You know, politics. The reason I bring it up because you know polls are politics. That's where that term comes from. <laughs> but I digress. Joe, you went on. You uh, you got into the NFL. You know, you didn't. I'm not sure if you ever got that clear shot to be the starter. I mean, what do you remember about your NFL career, real quick? Just bring people up to speed. You know, um, I fulfilled a dream of mine to be able to, to make it to the NFL. I realize um, that doesn't happen very often. Um, and it really kind of comes from, you know, the opportunity that John Cooper gave me to, to be a Buckeye, to allow me to kind of fulfill that dream. Uh, um, and all the all the teammates I had and coaches that I had along the way to help me get there. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, as a competitor, I'm also very disappointed, to be honest with you, in my, my NFL career. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm grateful in a lot of ways, but um, man, wish I wish I could have had more opportunities and, and um, kind of felt I maybe should have. Uh, but I, I, I got drafted to the Rams at that time. They were the losingest team of the decade. <laughs> and that year they won, they won the Super Bowl. We won the Super Bowl. So to be a part of a team like that with Hall of Famers like Orlando Pace, uh, it's awesome to be on his team again, uh, one of the all-time greats in college and NFL. Um, but then, you know, I played behind Kurt Warner and Trent Green, um, who were, you know, still guys that I'm able to talk to you today and, um, and uh, you know, just great, great players. And, you know, you, you sit behind, a, you know, an NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP. It's kind of tough to get some playing time sometimes. But, uh, man, I, sh I sure wish I could have done a lot better. I, 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 uh, I feel disappointed at the same time. Yeah, but you still – you were in the Arena League too, right, for a while. You, I think you threw for 14,000 yards or something like that in the Arena League. I mean, you know, when you get right down to it, when you catch a snap and you're looking downfield, I know it does matter, but you're still getting to throw a ball, right? I mean, uh, and get completions. Uh, uh, did that satiate it a little bit? You know what? I, I was using the Arena League at the time to try to – get some experience. I, I didn't, I didn't really play much. I, I, uh, I, I think I had, uh, 16 attempts in my NFL career and, yeah. uh, threw a touchdown pass to Torrey Holt, uh, against the Eagles, which was great. Um, also threw a couple picks in that game too. Um, but, 
you know, just, you know, sooner or later you get kind of expensive as a guy that doesn't have an experience. And I, I got released and was using the arena league to try to get back into the league. And, and, um, yeah, that didn't work out for me, but at, at, the same, at the same time, I fell in love with the arena game. It was, um, you know, a, a chance, like you said, just to go out and compete and still play. And, um, man, what a fun game it was. Really, really different. A lot of uh, changes for me to make on trying to just understand the different types of throws to make. But, yeah, yeah you, you know, you, throw, throwing for 100 touchdowns in a season um, and, you know, uh, you know, almost 6,000 yards, I mean, that's, you know, you don't see that in the outdoor game very much. So very different, a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I was gonna say, man, it's like old days of pee wee football, right? When you had the, uh, when you had maybe your best buddy was the tight was the split in, and you guys just could connect and stuff. I mean, those, I would still think that's a, a great feeling. Hey, you move into coaching, man. Uh, what just compelled you to move into coaching, the coaching ranks, and uh, and. I always thought you had that in you because just the way you approach the game, you know, I, I would look at you sometimes, I'd watch you studying what's going on, you know, and that was back when you used to get to get, go into practice and things. And I'll never forget after practice, remember I used to hang out at the Woody A's Athletic Center because we weren't run out of there like uh, like we were varmints or something. And, you know, I ran into you several times throwing late at night or, you know, with a with the lights on in there, uh, throwing the targets, the trash cans and stuff. And, uh you just, you love the game, right? I mean, more than anything else, but did you want to find a way to stay in it? Well, just explain that. Yeah, I think you took the words out of my mouth, Tim. I, I, I love the game of football. I have a passion for the game. I was one of those guys that I loved meetings. Um, I loved practice. I didn't like Dave Kennedy's conditioning in the summer. Uh, I didn't like that part of it too much. <laughs> Coach Langworthy and those guys, they got the best of me a few times. Um, but yeah, I just had a real passion for the game. Um, I loved learning uh, systems. I, I felt that I could pick things up pretty well and had a, you know, a, a good kind of, you know, maybe mind for for the offensive side of the game and just understanding concepts. Um, and then I got a, a, an opportunity uh, when my uh, in between an arena season because they they play kind of in the off season um, and we had summers in the fall off. Yeah, to, to be a quarterback coach at a local high school in there here in Arizona, and, and I had never coached before, and and did that, and gosh, I just fell in love with that age group, and um, and a couple of years later uh, applied to become a head coach and got that job, and been doing it ever since, and I, I just love it. I uh, I love the, the the young men that that I get the opportunity to be around and coach and 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 teach. But sometimes I always wonder, man, what I wonder if I should have gotten into coaching earlier, maybe at the at the collegiate level or something else. And uh, so I always kind of play those games in my head, too. Hey, there's still plenty of time for that, man. I don't know if you've noticed uh, Bruce Arians, you know, <laughs> uh, Joe, but let's get ready. Let's get right down to it. You know, when you become a head coach first, you, you know, you you work with quarterbacks, like you said, when you first got into it, I would think you had some input into who the starter was. Uh, but when you become a head coach, that's that's the one, at least the coaches I've ever been around, that is the one decision they clearly make on their own based on input, et cetera. Uh, a lot of times in high school, you've got that one great player and everybody else is, you know, you're hoping to ride his coattails to a certain extent, right? But uh, when you have had to make those decisions uh, about a starting quarterback, what do you now lean on? You know, because number one, you, you want you want an outstanding player there. You want a trustworthy player there, but at the same time, you know, uh, there are feelings that are involved because you may have to go back to that backup quarterback to win a game. You know what I mean? Like, 
I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if you were the backup quarterback in 96. You were the other quarterback, and you win the Rose Bowl. But, I mean, how have you, how have you learned to play that, I guess? How, how tough was that to learn to, to play that part of the, of the job? It is tough, and especially at the quarterback position. I mean, there's, there's one guy that can play. You know, if you're a receiver, you know, you can be one of five guys in this game. Yep. You know, to be able to get a lot of playing time and, and and running backs, I think, you know, the shelf life of running backs is kind of being saved a little bit because they're they're using more than than one running back, so they kind of keep more tread on the tire. Of yep. their, their careers are getting extended, which I think is a great thing. Um, but quarterback, there's one guy uh, that plays, and and uh, it's tough. I, I, you know what, I I uh, in in my humble opinion, the way that I've always gone about it, and then I know that I'm just a, a high school coach. Um, but you know what, um, competition is a healthy thing. And I think uh, um, letting the players play it out and letting them know that they're all going to get their opportunities and based on their performance, um, we're going to pick the guy that we feel is the best guy uh, to lead our team. And, and like you said, you brought up some really good points, Tim. It's much more than just physical ability. You know, there's 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 chemistry. Um, and, and, you know, to, to move a team up and down the field, to get first downs, to score, to win games, it's a lot more than just arm talent. Uh, to be able to do that. So there's a lot of things that go, go into play. But I think letting the letting that quarterback room know that, hey, every one of you guys, if you, if you want this job, you go get it. We're going to give you opportunities uh, to do so, and, and the best man will win. And if that guy that, uh, you know, after the end of that competition is, is slotted as a backup, he knows in his heart of hearts that he had every opportunity to do that. And uh, it's, it's up to him now to kind of uh, – you know, uh, improve and get better and, and, and be ready for, if an opportunity arises. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I just had this flashback while you're talking. I remember Lufkin High School where I went to school in Lufkin, Texas. And uh, up through my senior year and I think the next year, Lufkin ran out of the I formation, you know, or split backs, but the I formation. And all of a sudden, a new coach came in and put in the wishbone. <laughs> you know where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> Not the same quarterback skill sets. Yeah, for uh, sure. Well, unless you just got a superstar quarterback, uh, you know, Michael Vick, I think could have run any kind of offense, but, sure. but my point is, uh, you know, how, how much you try to keep uh, prejudice out of it from the standpoint of in your mind, what you see as the, you know, the prototype quarterback and what you have on hand and Hey, maybe this guy doesn't throw the ball quite as well as that guy, but this guy takes the takes the team down the field and scores touchdowns and but number two how do you allow yourself to find out whether that guy can do that without staying fixated on that first prototype dude <laughs> sure i think so many coaches fall into that you get this guy that jamarcus russell kind of popped in my head yeah gosh you watch this guy throw and you're just infatuated you you start thinking as a coach man what could we do with this guy yeah what could because every coach has all these, you know, wonderful plays and concepts and designs and coverage beaters and all this stuff. And man, we can do this, 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 this. At the end of the day, it's who's going to move that team up and down the field and 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 win games and and work as a unit to do that. Um, you know, so it, it, I think it's really it's really important for the coaches to kind of not you know get infatuated with that eye candy. Um, and and I think any coach. Really, the, the coaches that I've learned from and I try to take the approach is, uh, you know, you you, uh, you, you kind of structure your your system, your offense to fit your talent level. Um, you know, so it might be different from from one year to year. You know, we, we have a quarterback at uh, at our school that at Queen Creek who is uh, committed to USC. 
Um, he's extremely talented. He's going to go to the Elite 11 finals this year yep. uh, uh, in, in LA. And, and he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the country. And, and so there's certain things that we can kind of do with him that, you know, maybe the, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we had to kind of do some things different, maybe some more RPO things, uh, you know, so that's kind of up to the coach to kind of fit the scheme to the talent level with what you have. And, uh, but I think that healthy competition is, is the right way to go. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you're blessed if you get one player like that, if you got two or three, like Ohio state sitting there with right now, guys, you know, four and five star high five star guys, uh, you know, it's, you know, they've all got the, the ability in one form or fashion, right? I mean, uh, uh, do you think Ohio State can get enough practices, enough uh, live live go to, you know, I'm not trying to get you to forecast anything, to get a true read on a guy? Do you think it, or do you think, like Ryan Day has indicated, it might go into the season before they finally put a, a final stamp on one of those dudes? Yeah, well, Coach Day is, from the outside looking in, I mean, he's one of the best there is. And, and uh, he's, I think he's always going to have the, you know, a guy back there behind center that's going to uh, play at a high level. And I think he is one of the experts in, in play calling that will, you know, put his guys in position to be successful. Yeah. So I think that's an attraction for, um, you know, kids around the country to want to go to a place like Ohio State that's going to, you know, be able to, you know, be in a, in a system with the best, best athletes in the, in the country around you and in a system that's quarterback friendly. I mean, that's, that's pretty fun to be a part of. Uh, I was going to say, as, as an alum, are you kind of proud of what you've seen, uh, especially offensively from this group in the last several years? I mean, this, just this, you know, the Urban Meyer, even under, you know, even under Jim Trestle, you know, there was great offense play. Troy, Troy Smith won the Heisman Trophy, for goodness sakes. But uh, is it kind of bragging rights a little bit for you to watch Ohio State play on Saturdays with this ridiculous offense they put on the field? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love um, – Watching Ohio State, I, 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 uh, I, I'm thrilled every time that, that, that I get the chance to see them. And, and yeah, this is the run that they've had the last number of years uh, from, and from different coaches to different coaches uh, has been uh, amazing. You know, so I don't, I don't see that stopping anytime soon either. I think yeah. uh, they've got a great system. Um, you know, the recruiting process that they have, they're, they're getting the – one thing I learned not being in that side of things at the college level is just, you know, that's the lifeblood of a program. And, and they do it as, as well or better than anybody. Um, so uh, so I don't see it stop anytime soon. Hey, with that said, uh, did, uh, did, didn't you guys scrimmage Saguaro a couple of years ago? Did you see Denzel Burke, the, the defensive back that they've got? You, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm pulling something right out, out of my head here. But do you remember watching him or do you remember much about him? Yeah. Um, so we used to play uh, Saguaro. Um, and, uh, you know, for – in Arizona, Saguaro High School is one of the elite programs. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a smaller school, but, you know, kid, kids from all over the state of Arizona, you know, travel to go there. Is um, that right? Yeah. That's, it's kind of the playing field is starting to level out a little bit more now, um, but they, they've done it at the highest level uh, in Arizona as, as much as anybody. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's one of the few athletes uh, that, that they've really produced. They've got NFL guys that are playing right now. They have three um Saguaro players that play for the Cardinals uh I mean that's that's crazy to think I, about but yeah just, Denzel is is, a, is an amazing player um and just to speak to uh the talent level of Arizona high school football you know Jack Miller yeah uh, from Chaparral High School um here um you know he's he was a stud too so uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how he uh, another Arizona guy there trying to do his thing yeah, no kidding. Hey, real quick, uh, your quarterback's name, I, I, I'm drawing a blank because I'm trying to remember because I was looking at all this. Uh, the kid is going to USC. Devin Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it is amazing how talent has really come on that whole area. You know, you're you're at Queen Creek High School, which is southeast of uh, Phoenix, but you know, you guys, well, you played like what seven or eight games last year, right? Because of the pandemic, but uh, yeah. but it is amazing the competition you run into now that probably wasn't there when you were growing up. I, I mean, just from a week to week basis, right? It has changed. It has changed. Um, you know, I grew up in in the Mesa area, and it seems like uh, and those those there's still some powerhouse, you know, programs in that area. But it seems that the everything has kind of moved southeast a little bit, kind of that southeast valley. Um, there's it is in the classification in Arizona. Six A is the biggest school. Uh, we're we're a part of the six A, even though we're one of the smallest six A schools. Yeah. Um, every Friday night is just a is a game and there's great players all over the field every team that we play against has d1 players and um so yeah it's, i think it's a it's a great uh it's a great bed right now for for recruiting hey i'll let you go man but i, I do i do want to uh i do want to tell you one thing getting to know, you know your mom and dad way back when when they came east and like you know they were they were they were hell-bent to make sure number one their kid was uh taken care of Number two, uh, they were just so interested. They took, I'm sure that's, as you look back on that, that's one of the, one of those special times of your life, I would think, to know that you had parents like that, right? Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, that, that means a lot to me. You know, my mom and dad are both past. Right. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, one of the most cherished memories that I had as a Buckeye was my last home game against Michigan in the Horseshoe. And the, the tunnel of pride uh, with all the former players, alumni there being introduced, being able to run down through that tunnel. Um, and then at the end of that, to see my mom and dad yeah. standing there. Um, yeah, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, and I, uh, gosh, they, I can just remember the look in my dad's eye, just of being on the field and looking around and kind of seeing that environment. And he, he was overwhelmed because of that. Um, so, man, I'll just, I'll just always be grateful that that we could be a, a part of that, and, and they, I think could be a part of that. And it was a, it was a, it was a family dream uh, realized for all of us. I'm surprised you could spot your mom and dad. You know, I don't know what made them stick out from everybody else. Oh yes, it was the cowboy hat your dad wore, right? <laughs> the cowboy hat. Yep, yep. Easy to, easy to pick them out. That's your right. dad, man. 97 season, y'all played Florida State in that uh, Sugar Bowl, that probably forgettable Sugar Bowl. And Andre Wadsworth kept coming over the top and attacking you like there was no tomorrow. And uh, as the legend went, your dad wanted to go down and pick up pick a fight with uh, Tyson Walter, the left tackle at Ohio State, because he, somebody's got to protect my son. But uh, that's one of those great little anecdotes. Hey, uh, last thing. Um, uh, <laughs> As you, as you look at your career, I mean, right now, do you do you aspire to be anywhere other than high school right now, or are you just taking it one step at a time? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I... I'm, I'm not trying to put I you on the spot, kids. but I mean, um, yeah. I, no, I, I can't believe how old I've gotten. It's been, uh, you know, but but yeah, I, I love the game. I love being around the game. I love teaching the game. I love being a coach. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we'll see where it takes me. I, I would, oh man, if there was an opportunity to coach at the next level, I sure would, sure would think about it. I don't know how well or how good I would be at it, um, but uh, I, I sure love the game and, and uh, 
have enjoyed some success uh, kind of on the coaching side being in it. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. Have you ever raised your voice to anybody, Joe? Do you raise your voice when you coach? You know what? Yes. I actually, <laughs> I, I've, uh, I, I've kind of laughed a little bit and kind of came home and, and, and kind of really looked myself in the mirror and, and who I was as a player. Um, I am a little bit different as a coach. I'm the same, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've, uh, I've definitely, um, you know, gotten after people a little bit and maybe my old man has uh, come out in me a little bit uh, since I've uh, kind of gone into my coaching life. Yeah. Well, your old man didn't raise his voice until it meant something. That's the way, that's what stood out to me about him. That's what, I mean, I, you talk about you having goosebumps. I was at goosebumps a while ago and we were talking about them, but uh, Joe mm-hmm. Germain, man, finally got you on the Tim May podcast and uh, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. You are always so uh, good to me. I really appreciate you and thanks for all you do for, uh, the Buckeyes. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Germain, the incomparable Joe Germain, MVP of the Big Ten 1998, one of the great players to ever wear the scarlet and gray. Hey, his promise, man, Joe Germain never disappoints. Uh, isn't that right, Awesome? Great stuff. Great stuff. Great interview. Uh, it's, it's really cool to get insight from those quarterbacks who lived those battles and the, the controversy and, and the spotlight that comes with playing for the Buckeyes. You know, I've been fortunate enough that you know, have that good relationship with Cardale Jones. And he's talked about that on, uh, you know, a number of shows with us. It's, yeah. you know, none of us can truly understand it. Even if we covered it and we've got a good appreciation for the difficulty, um, you know, they're living with something different that, that few people can experience. It's why that, that quarterback fraternity at Ohio state is so special. But this is what's cool about Joe Germain. He's a head coach now. He's been head coach now for seven years. Now he's the guy that has to tell <laughs> this guy, you're number one and you're number two. And maybe give them a reason, maybe not. Sometimes they don't give you a reason. They just go, you know, gut feel, you're the guy. He's probably got that great bedside manner. Hey, I wish it would have gone like this. I'm sure he does. Well, that's the thing. He's been there. You know, he's been on the other side of the bed, so to speak, you know. And, uh, of course, he's got a quarterback now going to USC, so he's got a pretty good talent out there at Queen Creek. Uh, But I digress real quick. Uh, What would you – what do you need to see in this spring game slash scrimmage? coming up uh, April 17th in Ohio Stadium that tells you Ohio State is headed in the right direction on defense? Whew. I don't know if I'm going to see it. Um, and so I would – You're my, still, That's the story I'm writing <laughs> it the, the, this week, but the, appreciate yeah. you setting it up like that. Yeah, so my – I would rather issue a warning. The secondary is not going to look like it's full strength, 100% <laughs> fixed. So it, if you're someone who is, you know, thinks that I have been wrong about it, all the context and why the past defense may have struggled and the roster, if, if you're tired of me saying that, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Saturday will not look like it has been fixed. Seven Banks and Cameron Brown are not going to play. Court Williams will not be full go. You know, we've seen younger guys, Tyreek Johnson out there at corner. Uh, he's not a young guy, but someone who's not played a lot, Cameron Martinez, Ryan Watts. Hey, I think those guys can be really good players. Um, and Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor are going to make some plays too. But for the rest, for the most part, you're not going to see uh, the BIA unit. You're not going to see the actual starters out there. We don't even know exactly how the rosters will be divvied up, but that will make it even more difficult. Ohio State is shorthanded at defensive back. You know, normally we would sit here and say, oh, 
the running game doesn't matter for the spring game, and it won't. You yeah. know, it won't run that much. You're not going to learn that much about the defensive line and linebackers, in my opinion. And if you want to evaluate the corners and the safeties on Saturday, I'm just, I'm just telling you, it probably won't be very fun. And, you know, it's funny what you think you're going to see, but then what you end up seeing could be a different thing. But you're exactly right. For connoisseurs of just shut down defensive play, uh, <laughs> no, this isn't your – I don't think this is going to be your game. You never know. That could be – you know, we saw a couple of picks at practice earlier this week. Yeah. Tip balls, man, can go places. And uh, – but if you're a connoisseur – Our guy, Josh Proctor, yeah. he's got to – Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but he's got to be like a Kemalajuan or something back there. I mean, he's got to be everywhere at once. Yeah. Um, but this is the thing: uh, you got three quarterbacks trying to trying to show they should be the starter. Um, they all want to, and the way you do that, let's face it, is by throwing the ball and being good, making good decisions. But but what's you can take Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson out of the starting lineup, you know, out of the, and you still got these four- and five-star receivers that these guys are going to be throwing to against, you know, straight up, a suspect defensive uh, secondary at the moment. So I would think if you're a connoisseur of the thrown ball and uh, the pass and catch, this is your spring game and your spring scrimmage. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I think that there will be more for people to feel good about watching those young quarterbacks. It might reassure they've got talent, They're you know, if they're not able to, like, they should have every advantage in this game. And, t- and typically that's the way it works for most offenses. Uh, you, you should be able to have some more success in a spring game setting. It's designed for it to work that way. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they, sh- you know, they should. So maybe if they really struggle and the timing is off, then everyone leaves and, and feel terrible about everything for the Buckeyes. But I have a spoiler, and that's that this team is really good. And no matter what happens on Saturday, it's not going to say that much about yeah. it. It's not going to change it one way or the other. Um, it would be really cool to, you know, I'd throw one more in there. I'm not sure if Legend Cavazos is going to get, like, full opportunities to run around. Yeah. It depends on how much contact they want to do. A lot of these guys are just – they're limited. Uh, they're recovering. They had a few injuries. Um, you know, not serious. I think by June and July, Ohio State will have everybody at once. Uh, everybody available to go play in that secondary. And then August gets really more interesting for those scrimmages. But this, yeah. this won't be that because there's not, you know, they're not going to be that much stock put into it. And Ohio State is simply not fully healthy. Yeah. But you know what, if they, if all three, uh, all three quarterback contestants have black shirts on and the tap sack is on, you know, Tyreek Smith <laughs> and uh, Zach Harrison have had pretty good springs is yeah. what we're hearing. And, you know, there's a heck of a lot of difference from reaching over a tackle and tapping the guy. And, uh, and well, we've seen that before too, Tim, right? We've like yeah. eight back oh, yeah. scrimmages. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that could, that could, that could uh, balance the book, so to speak. But, uh, <laughs> you're right. That's exactly what I'm, I'm looking for is, uh, is, uh, uh, an offensive heyday. And that's what people pay to come see. But, but, but I hope people keep in mind we're talking about practice, practice, you know, practice, man. This is, this is going to be an enhanced practice. I mean, Ryan Day even alluded to that when I asked him about it. Uh, this week and uh, that's really the way you got to go anymore you can't have a fully blown game anymore because you just you just delineated uh, many of the uh, physical ailments they're dealing with on the defensive side of the ball you don't want more coming out of a game like this right you definitely don't late ladies and gentlemen that's awesome Ward. i'm tim may this has been another tim may podcast i think this may be my podcast i lose track but this 
may have been my podcast number 99. So Ooh. we'll have to do something special next week. Maybe I'll speak. Maybe I'll do my whole podcast in Spanish next week uh, or French. Got to get on. Got to get on that French. Well, Burn uh, will have but, to be your guest then. Exactly. Yeah. Nicholas Petit Frere. Uh, and Jean, yeah, Jean, yeah, Javante Jean, Jean Baptiste. Oh my goodness, that'd be great. Just those two and me. But until then, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim May. We'll see you then. <laughs>